Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guest hosts or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hope you're having a great and wonderful, beautiful day around the world. And I do mean world. We have gone international, not that we weren't before, but we just didn't really have it in our psyche, did we? Growing up in America, this is Teresa Jeanette Thurmond Morris. And my husband is deceased, but I still use his name Morris because it's closer in the alphabet. <laughs> the beginning. And all my life, I've stood in the back of the lines in school. If you remember how that was in America, if your name started with a T, you were always way back in the line. So I decided even though he's passed on, I was his wife 20 years, and I miss him so much. Thomas Ray Morris, I'm thinking of you on the other side. So this show is all about helping those on the ground to Boots on the ground, those that are in the grass, roots in the hedges, and all the people that vote with their purchasing power. That is their almighty power in voting with one vote. So everyone in America is important, but even more so when you become a voting age, as most of you found out in the last year of 2020. So hindsight is 2020, and today... I'm glad to still be alive, so God bless America, God bless everyone, little tiny Tim too, wherever you are, all those out there working that are disabled, and doing your best to survive and thrive on a planet that is all about learning what you can do to help others, be in service to others, and this is my part. It does cost me, so anybody that likes what you hear today, I would appreciate it. If you make a small donation, would uh, help me stay on the air. I will come and do this more often, so please let me know, because now that I have some time in the world, I'm going to help others uh, with all of our associations that are uh, unincorporated associations online, social media, and uh helping others just to know that they exist so they have some feedback. Now, uh, changing my whole reality around because I'm not usually an early person, and I hope you can hear me because I don't know how to turn off this Facebook. Oh, great. Great. Well, folks, this phone, I've got to swap my phones today because this one's going to keep cutting me off because of the way it's built with me and my apps. I've apparently given more importance to apps such as Facebook, and I've got to change those settings. So if you can hear me, I'm going to be just a moment here, a little technical operation going on, and uh, do my best to keep myself where you can hear me while I welcome other people into our reality, into the T.J. Morris world, and uh, hope I can 
keep you interested for the next little bit of time with women that do work from home. And that includes me. We are all out here trying to learn to survive together. And due to my phone complications, I don't know if you can hear me or not. So let me get on my today's guest is Melinda T. Clare. She's also a woman at home building a business. I've never met her. And we're going to do our best to attempt to talk today about some things that have changed in our life. It's gotten a little bit more complicated since I grew up. Now, she's younger than me. Melinda T. Clare, is that you, and can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear, Theresa J. Morris. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. I was talking away, and my phone had put me on hold. Uh, these electronics seem to have more power than we give them, or if we give it to them, some of us baby boomers, as my great-granddaughters call me, the boomers that we're so old we don't know how to operate our phones properly, and this is true in my case. <laughs> So, Melinda T. Clare, we're going to talk today about women's lunch on Wednesday, something new, and I'm doing this strictly for Melinda T. Clare. She must have some very powerful spiritual goodness in her to get me to want to get up because I was up till 1 o'clock working around the world last night because I do website building. For those of you that want to know what I do as a developer, I and one of those people that put the information around different websites for different groups and associations and help them be visible in their groups that uh, work in social media. And a lot of people do this every day. We're slaves to social media. But I've been mm -hmm. paying to have an ETR account since 2012, Blog Talk Radio with Mr. Levy out of New York. And I've invited Melinda T. Clare today after the many years, this is, I began in June, Melinda, June, this is my uh, uh, anniversary coming up, uh, June 3rd is the official day when I paid my bill, and mm -hmm. began uh, in 2012. So how many years is that, Melinda? So tw next 2012 year, 2012 now, that's nine years. Okay, so you are joining me at the ninth year, which is a, a number in numerology, number nine, the ending. Nine long years <laughs> doing radio shows. Well, that's right a good here. thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, good. Well, we're starting all over again, and uh, you well, must be I'm, blessed. I'm delighted to uh, take in the opportunity and chance to work with you, seeing that you have so many projects and so many different things that you can offer a person and teach, uh, your, your life is rich, um, as you know. And I'm, I'm just it, like a book actually going to be learning more from you because you never stop learning. Uh, I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're 80 or 90. Uh, if you have a PhD, I have a Master of Science. But... I don't think you stop learning, only if you really want to shut that down. But you just continue to learn and blossom as a human being on the planet. And there's just so much to learn from other people like yourself, who is really uh, skilled at various skills and skill sets of technology, you know. And um, I appreciate that with a lot, a great abundance to the universe. Wow, and that's not a paid infomercial, folks. That was good, Melinda, and I uh, appreciate that. 
So I'm turning okay, on my other family, phone. You're, you're, you're welcome because um, when I continue to read about you and see the things that you put up on the Internet, you, I mean, it's abundant. You talk about different topics, you know, sciences. You talk about teaching and, and educating people. And that's a big thing uh, we need to do today in general. A lot of people don't realize how important knowledge is. They really don't. I don't think some people grasp that. Um, you know, I don't know if it's where you're from because I was born and raised in New York City. And, um, you know, when I came up, and that's not that long ago, um, my mother raised me with the value system that the education that you get is going to be like I'm a blueprint. But I don't think it's only just a blueprint, but it gives you wings you can fly. I have wings. I can go anywhere. If I didn't want to stay in America, years ago, even now, and I've had my master's for some time, I can go anywhere because people respect you when you have more knowledge. It's just you, you can't explain that almost to a certain degree, you know. And I think with our country and where we're going, we should be looking towards getting more educated, notoriety for things, having the skills we need for jobs, you know, um, computer skills. The communication skills are very important, you know. Um, like I said, where you come from, whether it's the southern state versus the this state, the north state, whatever, but we all should come with impeccable skills, communicating to each other that we can have a conversation and walk away with something, knowing that person described this, that, and the other, and whatever that situation was. You know, a lot of times people don't want to communicate. Why? Because they don't have the skills, the skill set, you know. And like I said, it depends on where you're from. Some people, some places in the state, the country, make it a big deal that you have these skills, whether you get a degree in them or you minor in classes. I was always encouraged to minor in stuff. For instance, I minored in Black and Puerto Rican Studies and Spanish. I took Spanish in, in, in college, too, and um, I was able to utilize it in teaching. So knowledge is a powerful thing. It gives you wings. It gives you the ability to do things that others can't because you, you stop if you don't have the knowledge. And if you have the more skill set, and the training combined with it, you got a, a lot of awakenings and things that you can do with your life. So the life that I see when I read about you, uh, Teresa, and stuff like that, you know, um, that's what I see and hear and feel. And that it's a wonderful energy because there's always something to learn. You never stop. Well, you have obviously uh, been able to grasp communication skills, especially being a teacher. I'd like to learn more about you, Melinda, because usually uh, on this particular show, the way I built this was around doing interviews when a first person first comes on, and all of us do it, even Google. We do the first is to get to know you, the person. So since this is 
a good opportunity today for women and mm-hmm. Wednesday lunches. If people like it, we can ask them to let us know, and we'll bring you back. But let's get started with a story of origin of you, because I hear a New Jersey accent that my former uh, co-host for almost nine years, Thomas Anthony Sinisi of New Jersey, he had the same mm-hmm. accent. So. Were you born in New Jersey? Tell us about no, you. I was born Where in you were born? Brooklyn, New York, East East Flatbush, New York, to be exact. And I lived there for some many, many years. My early upbringing, and when I was about twenty, I left Brooklyn, and then I went to Hunter College, and I lived in Manhattan for some years, and then I moved to Long Island. And then I moved to Staten Island. But, you know, I basically lived a good years of my life in Brooklyn. So that's where I was born and raised. And your parents, were they, are you, like, I'm like fifth generation immigrant well, from Europe. My mother, my mother is from the Caribbean. Uh, she's from Jamaica, West, Westmoreland, Jamaica, born and raised there. And my dad is from Grenada, and he is the first African-American captain of the United States for the Staten Island Ferry. Whoa, what a pedigree. Now, his name, <laughs> it comes up on the Internet because he, he they had a big party for him when he retired after 30 years of service. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, I just, yeah, that's, that's my, my, my history. I have oh, a little bit. Wow. My my great my grandparents. My grandmother was from Jamaica as well. She was from Clarendon, uh, Jamaica, and um, she came here when she was in her late sixties, almost seventies, I say. And she passed away maybe almost twenty years ago. And she was a wonderful uh, soul. She wasn't highly educated, but she had a great. Uh, presence and, and just something about her that kept the family together, and I kind of took a lot of that, so that's kind of like my, where my strength comes in when things were going in, in life and problems, I kind of went to that side of my head, and it's like it brought me joy and comfort, because she was strong. She always said, don't let people step all over you. You know, your light skin, don't let them light. You know, she was the opposite of me. She was very dark skin, and she goes, they treated you like, you know, you have no sense, so you're stupid. <laughs> like that. Oh, wow. And she, you know, with what she came up with and how she knew best, she did what she did. And But she was very good in math and um, reading and stuff like that. And my grandfather, um, my mother's father, was from Jamaica as well. And he was um, a chef. My grandmother was a pastry chef, and he was a real chef traveling the world, and um, he was very passionate about that. And, you know, I I always would like to go there because I've never been to the Caribbean. And his daughter, she is a few years younger than me, which is interesting, okay? So it's an interesting story, you know, when you look up people's names, you know, and you can find out stuff and sometimes it ends somewhere because there's no more information on that person 
but he was a, a chef and traveled the world and um, very renowned for his time and what he did. And it was, he was very passionate of what he did. He loved cooking, my grandfather. And so um, I came from two people that love cooking. My grandmother is a pastry chef. So she's the tarts and the sweets. And he's the cooking, the real deal of the, you know, house and stuff like that. So this is a very interesting um, upbringing because I was born and raised here in the U.S. and having the parents from two different parts of uh, regions of the West Indies. So I came from a rich background. So you are the first generation American born in... Yes, I am. Wow. How about that? And you're and in your so 40s, funny. right? Sometimes people think that... I am like, I was born there. And I'm like, no, I was not. I don't even know what it looks like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they're like, you never been? No, I've never been to the Caribbean. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, I have been, but I've never been to Jamaica. I've been to Florida when I was a teeny tot of a teenager, and I didn't like it because it was very hot. And then we went to, I say we, my family, my dad's brother and my aunt, and we went to uh, Nassau, and we went to Bahamas. So I got to see what it was. It was nice over there. I thought it was beautiful. I would live there uh, rather than not here. Well, so I live in Florida. I think, yes, I know. You know. In the panhandle now, closer to, uh, I met near Pensacola, just across the bridge. They just opened up. Uh, again, uh, we had during a hurricane, of course, I'm back in hurricane season again, so everybody pray for us here. <laughs> but uh, Pensacola uh, Naval Air Station, I was in the Navy, and I've been all mm-hmm. over, but I did get to go to NASA on the Bahamas, and I loved it down there. But our, in 2017, I had to spend a few months in Tampa, roughly six, three to six months back and forth for up till my daughter passed due to uh, her cancer. But, you know, now that I've lost my husband and my daughter, we all have stories to tell. And me being like a fifth generation from Europe, both sides, uh, Liverpool, England was Bolton on my mother's side. My dad mm-hmm. and Thurman, and they came over to the Carolinas and fit the uh, railroad through Ripley, Mississippi. And then my pa- uh, his father moved over to Monroe, Louisiana, where I was born. And now uh, that was, I was born the day after Christmas, 51. So I'm a Capricorn with Aquarian rising in astrology, mm-hmm. which I didn't learn about astrology until uh, the early, well, let's see, 70s. And I got into my tarot card reading, but I was raised Latter day Saint from that night, May 12th. 1972. Houston, Texas, where my mother had divorced my dad and Monroe and moved to Houston. So my path goes from Monroe, Louisiana to Houston, Texas, and then to Birmingham, University of Alabama, where I went to college there and worked at, uh, uh, what did they call it? Southern Living Magazine, Southern Craft Ideas. So mm-hmm. how many jobs and how many places have you lived? Because this is important for women to realize. A lot of us can go all over, but it really depended on my family and my jobs and how we live. And it was easier 
it didn't seem any easier when I was young, but people today feel like we had it easy. And they talk like, well, that was back during time when your parents wanted better for you. But my mother uh, was born uh, in 32, and apparently they had Hitler and then the Korean War. And so by the time they got through high school in Washtenaw Parish along the Washtenaw River in Monroe, Louisiana, they she went to homemaking, and her, her she only strove to be a uh, Oh, she just wanted to be a housewife. They talked in the early 50s, of late 40s and early 50s, of being the perfect woman, stay at home, and wore big dresses and aprons and cooked all day and had children. But then my dad, after uh, her father died uh, and left her money to build a house, that they built a house, and my dad told her she was going to have to go to work to pay for all the furniture she was buying. So she did. And my, so my life, her mother worked as a, a PBX operator, and her mother was a, a school teacher. And then all my relatives worked at, like, Northeast Louisiana and the high schools. They all became teachers. Uh, but I've got other relatives that moved out to Portland, Oregon, and started a big company retail, the Richmond stores, R-I-C-H-M-A-N. So do you have brothers and sisters? And I would like to know where you where they live. Where you. Oh, they live they they they're in in um, Brooklyn. What's going on in the background? Can you mute that? I said they're they're in the city, New York City. Hold on. You hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, hold on one second. Uh, if, if you're sitting in front of a computer, you'll have to turn it down. Yeah, they're, they're in, in, in Brooklyn. Okay. Oh, there's one thing about working on radio is you have to have some quiet and can't be in a room by yourself. <laughs> huh? Are you on a cell phone? Yeah. You take... Uh, can you move? Are you near something electronic? What happened? Are you are you near something electronic? I'm in my Is office. Oh, okay. Well, you'll have to turn off the equipment, or at least uh, step away from. It. It'll pick up the electronic. It's funny. Uh, if I'm near a desk, will it be a problem? Oh no! I just heard there was an awful lot. When you go back and listen to this recording, I turned my computer off. Oh, okay. That's better. Yeah, it, it, that way you don't get any feedback. You can have your computer on to refer. You just have to make sure your sound is down. Okay. I have to turn mine off. So, folks, this is our first. We're starting all over again, I guess, for another nine years with Melinda T. Clare from uh, not Hoboken, New Jersey. What city are you in? <laughs> huh? You're in New Jersey, right? What city are you are you broadcasting from on your phone? I'm, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't like well, that, so I don't like giving my information out. Okay, but New Jersey, because we're broadcasting from New York, so you should be pretty close to, yeah, uh, in other yeah. words, you're broadcasting from New Jersey into New York. We have the office right there. Mm-hmm. So uh, all that feedback I'm hearing is just from your equipment. So, yeah. So uh, it's real simple to work with Blog Talk Radio, uh, folks. Mm-hmm. If you want to have your own show, uh, you just have to pay the money to have 
the studio hooked up, and the first 30 minutes, you can learn how to use it. But I've been doing it for nine years, and I pay for monthly shows every day. And mm-hmm. uh, I did it mainly to help people that were having an event, and they asked me to help because the people were having me come on their radio shows on Blog Talk. So the gentleman that brought me on said, why don't you uh, have your own show, being that you're – uh, have uh, your contactee, extraterrestrial contactee, because he found that amusing, and that's why he brought me on. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Here we go, TJ Mars ET. So the TJ ET radio can be for entertainment tonight or today, or it can be for extraterrestrial. So being that you have uh, a background and have a beautiful family from uh, around the world, and you have uh, you're a woman of color. You can help me with today's show because yeah, I saw a picture. You've got a beautiful soul, beautiful aura around you, and you're highly educated, and a very uh, apparently very well connected in New York because you've been in public relations not only as a school teacher, as an educator, which runs right down my alley and my background. But yeah, I've been, I've been in the public relations field a long time. I met a lot of people. Some people you keep contact. Some people, you know, it it stays. Some people it doesn't. But I've I've I've, I've remained with some people because they do they do give you interesting projects and work to do, and you can learn from it and grow from it. So you're helping yourself, and you're right. I do yeah. a lot. I so don't get I, paid for. I try my best to work with something or someone that is profitable. So whether it's profitable in the sense that they're going to get notoriety in a possible, in a a buzz feed, you know, somebody's going to say, well, we want them to come on our show and then I'll go and write about them. You know, I'm a writer. I love to publicity like that. Okay. So I'll write about you, but I want you to come on. I want you to play the game you know, you have to be respectful and come in a certain way. Because I know if I was the person that she was on the other foot and I'm the uh, maybe athlete or whatever, and I want to get back in the groove, I have to play a certain way with people. You know, respect, boundaries, everything. Because you take it, if you take it for granted, people just not work with you. And that's just the way it goes. I meet a lot of people who have skills, but if you don't know what you're doing and don't know how to market them, you're lost. And they just don't even get nothing happen with them. Or if it might be their attitude. If their attitude is a little arrogant or nasty, uh, you hear it or I hear it, what's going to happen? One of us is going to say, not, next person, you know what I mean? So people that want to make or break into the media in any shape or form, you have to remember, come with a humble self, a humble soul. You're there picking up and learning what that person can teach you and bring you somewhere. So an advancement of that person's power or strength, take it as a learning experience and take it really seriously, not just for granted. And that's how I try to uh, talk to people let them understand. Initially, sometimes people like myself don't get paid. We just are the word of mouth people. Somebody got me introduced to this. 
to that one, to that one. And then at the end of the day, if the person is worth something and helping them to bring their story, then it, it, it comes together and it comes to a head and we can make it happen. Get it in, 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 in a couple of news stores, uh, news, or newspapers or magazines or both. So it takes time. And this process, there's no right way, wrong way, really. There's just the human way and just trying to be appropriate and courteous to everyone. Because this time that we're living right now, we're living through a very different time than anybody's ever seen. You know, going back to this pandemic that we're still in, we're still, it's still there, you know. So I just try to be respectful to all people, and I don't care what background, how they seem or look, male or female, you know, in, in, in our way that we speak and how do we uh, navigate our, our conversations, the uh, sex of people is something that's being used and the expressions are being changed because of our society. So gender is complicated. Yes, um, it is. No one has this completely figured it out. Acknowledging this complexity was once the norm. Many cultures before colonization had terms and expressions far beyond what we have available today. So the vocabulary, especially in and around the transgender community, has exploded with a variety of words to express a countless number of genders and facets of gender experience. This is a real big thing. It, there's like an explosion literally like now when we're talking about words and how do you refer to people, okay? And not because it's a person might look or you might think because she's a little bit or he is maybe a little bit more uh more uh, male looking than, you know, um, we're all treated, got to treat them with respect and integrity. And because of the explosion, it's a combination of, of reclamation and creation. But we have to be wary of creation under colonization. So there's a lot of things that's going on right now. And to give people the right uh titles and uh, gender appro uh, appropriateness, we have to be very sensitive and careful of how we refer to people because some people could think the opposite of what, what you're saying, you know. So you're thinking about it, um, this is more than, it's a bigger picture than just, you know, uh, it's part of why we created this farmer as an attempt to document the movement to express and identify the complexity. See, this is a major thing. It's the complexity of gender while acknowledging its history and intersection. There are some terms in this primer that are not directly related to the gender, but are all, but are, are still defined in order to help set the context within each rest of the primer is established. So, again, gender is extremely personal. It's the ability to try to express our understanding of gender is personal and complicated. It is. And it will forever be because someone can look a certain way. Like, for instance, 
I'm sure everyone's up to date with Demi Lovato. Uh, she's an artist. And um, she came out as non-binary. Now, that's a, a very interesting uh, situation there. And that's the way she wants to be referred to as. So all these different different uh, expressions of gender, it, 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 it's a way to serve to uh, express who we are in different ways, male or female, um, you know, the different words, the different phrases, you know. Um, so it's just something that we have to understand and adapt to because our gender is extremely personal. Trying to express our understanding of gender is personal and complicated. And the words help us express those things that we try to do ourselves. So it's important that you come across someone that, well, they may not seem like you, but we, each and every one of us is to be given the same amount of respect and integrity as each other. Um, there is something called assigned gender at birth, no designated gender at birth or intersex. So this explains it is sometimes written as G-A-A-B or G-A-B, yeah. This refers to what gender someone was assigned at birth. This is used when talking about a range of people who experience a set of common issues based on their birth assessment. So that's very interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that people do with their lives and their, their bodies and their selves, you know, and the AGAB is used by many transgender people to talk about their gender experience without having to use the narratives about what gender they used to be. That's very interesting. That dynamic right there. I mean, it's, it's, it's powerful stuff. They're telling you how these people want to be referred to and remembered, classified, whatever you want to identify. So it's very important to pay attention. So you can't, you don't want to mess up, use the wrong term to uh, identify or use to refer to someone. So sometimes seen as an A-G-A-B-I-S is to be inclusive of intersex people who are dealing with similar situations, but who do not identify with binary assignment label, E-G. AFAB. People should generally get gap smears as it can find help find and treat issues before they become life threatening. So let me explain here the AMAB, all bold, bold letters, people face high rates of harassment. When outwardly expressing themselves in what is commonly seen as a feminine manner. So, like I said, no matter how a person appears, 
that package of a human, man, male or female. It doesn't matter if they're to a woman. One might think, oh, he's my that one is kind of more feminine, more masculine. It doesn't matter. You have to be very careful of the words, phrases, tones, or anything expression you use on these people because uh, it's 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 not a, it's not acceptable. So um, as we go on in life, you learn that these um, identification ways of classifying people or, or discussing them have been used to discuss them in a better light so they can be respected and treated with fairness. So that's all we're trying to express here, okay? Um, the time that we live in is it's it's changing uh, terminologies when it comes to sex, and that's what the whole this com- this conversation is about. And it's interesting when you see someone on TV and you go, oh, you know, sometimes is that a man? Is that you know? So when they're in your face, straighten your eyes. You have to give them the utmost respect because each one of them are just like another male or female that's 100% heterosexual. So in agender, uh, you want to say that this is people that define their gender in a variety of ways. Some agender people define their gender as being neither a man nor a woman, while others understand themselves as not having any gender at all. So let's reiterate, agender people may or may not transition physically, legally, or socially. So, Teresa, that's a very interesting dynamic there. It is. I've been tall and and look like a man as far as height. 5'11", I've been called Amazon and had sexual innuendos because I was considered above average in looks, and I resented that. So most of my life, I was wanting to be a boy. So I didn't know there was a word for what I had as a tomboy, like gender dysphoria now, but I always felt like I was in the wrong body. So that's why I relate more as uh, going on 70 to more of an extraterrestrial entity having died and came back, there's a whole other area that we need to address. And I would think that might be a beginning to start under a gender. Uh, people mm-hmm. definitely don't want to define their gender like me because we're not even sure because our our spirit feels more masculine in a, in a woman's body, but I'm not attracted to male or female, which makes me asexual. But let's talk about that non-binary and transgender umbrella. Uh, that's really interesting. I know that's a lot to tell somebody that I don't know. And Melinda and I are just getting to know each other, and she's very educated. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of jobs. But growing up, I, I swear, I guess God put me in a place where I grew up in the South and believed in a higher power and a source and got into metaphysics and studied world religions, but I didn't study any of this. And I love RuPaul. I think he's a wonderful artist, and he's become a multimillionaire. 
and married a wonderful man living in Montana, and they're happily ever after, you know. So I've learned a lot. My brother was gay, Melinda, in Houston. Mm-hmm. He was on Oprah Winfrey, and he uh, he didn't know what he was, and we didn't have the words to tell him. We never mm-hmm. knew he was gay. He didn't know he was gay, and he lived with me after uh, I had divorced my husband and was in the military, and I'd moved up. No, I, yeah, I was in the military, but I moved back home to Houston. And uh, he he went to uh, we had to, we didn't know what to do with him. He looked see he was a twin in my mother's womb when he was born with my sister Wendy, but they were not identical twins. So Wendy's a beautiful blonde, blue eyed. He was dark skinned, uh, hazel eye, uh, sort of fuzzy here on the back of his neck, and uh, just like two different parts of my mother, but they were like two different kittens. One was male, one was female. But Wendy was always shy and reserved little girl, and he was just, I told mother when he was born, mom, there's something wrong or something different about him. But, but I could feel as a child his spirit, but I had died as a child in the second grade, so I knew spiritually things felt different to me, and I used to have to keep my mouth shut. So I wonder if this agender, if there's agender people define their gender in a variety of ways. So I don't know if uh, all this stuff I'm talking about beyond uh, my brother being born – I believe that people are born that way. They may, and some may not even be born to know what gender they are going to be, and that's why I think that's that true. Children. I, I agree. I mean, I've never um, met anybody in my lifetime so far. I mean, the only thing of genders and changing, you know, who you are is, is people I've seen on TV. Uh, you know, Bruce Jenner and 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 now he's Caitlyn Jenner, and you know. As Bono and and whatever, but other than that, I've never, you know, I've seen people that you look at them and you're like, you know, you stand in and you look like, what is that, a man or a woman, you know, and just make you just like in in, in like in, like confused, you know. So, but you know, at the same time, like I said, if someone comes up to me, I'm in a store, like you know, you're in a really well-known area where these individuals hang out, whatever they're known. I have no problem. I just respect people accordingly and just treat them with the same, uh, you know, respect that I am, you know. Well, let's say what we're using today, folks, is a primer prepared by a trans, uh, let's see, what was the name of that? Home Primer Index. Uh, It's an organization. Okay, and uh, we're really uh, happy that they did this, and uh, we're, that's our source, so we need to Home cite that. Home Primer X Pride Flags About or whatever, that's what it's, that's the, the whole title. But that's the ground of, uh, um, of this whole thing, and it's a really in-depth discussion because, um, as, like I said, whatever I've read and explained, it's really interesting. Um, like the I said, I have gender. not in my lifetime, I don't think I've met anybody, um, you know, that have experienced this or no one has ever said it. So I don't know. You know, you can know, know somebody and you don't know what they are in those, you know, interesting ways. But um, I could say I don't think I've, I've met met anyone like this. 
Um, and I know it's not an easy way to go about life because you have to express what happened and, you know, give the explanation to whoever asking you. And, and it's a lot of stuff. So well, I'm sure the life of this person. Huh? What do you think? Like I was assigned at birth my gender as a female. My brother, although he grew up with effeminate ways and looking different, uh, he was never really accepted by men or women growing up. So I know how hard it was for him in school. But uh, so, but because he had an Audi, he was a boy, and because I had an Innie, I was a girl. But mm-hmm. I had jobs like law enforcement, criminal justice, investigator, uh, cop. Uh, uh, let's see. I went in the military. I wore uniforms. I learned weapons. I drove a big truck over the road, 18-wheeler for years. You know, pulled for Microsoft, U.S. Treasury, and uh, you know, got clearances and then went into personnel information security and you know, I was always – do you understand? Now, my good side was like with you and Barbizon. Remember you and I talked about we were both in Barbizon as kids. I did uh, modeling, and I went to Arthur Murray Dance Studio. So I also learned while I was a mother to be very effeminate, and I was in beauty contests, Miss Astro in Houston, and won contest about being beautiful. And, you know, so I knew how to be a woman, but I – I grew out of that in the 80s. So from 50 to the 80, I was very, you know, very feminine because I had a any. You know what I'm talking about? Our gender mm-hmm. on birth. So, uh, but the older I got, and the more masculine our leadership roles I was put in, not because I wanted to, and I always said that, but because I was 5'11". And in the military, I weighed 176 with like 3% body fat, which was almost impossible for women. I had very skin on muscle. So I was a very masculine woman, but I was still beautiful, you know, in my looks. And there's Mm -hmm. pictures of me in my uniform. But uh, that was the second time around. But, okay, so you you and I are speaking as women, and I uh, was asked that. Now, used to not people, when I grew up, there was only male and female. They, they, you know, they didn't ask you on your these applications. Now, what we're talking about in today's reality in 2021 with women working at home is helping us become more educated about how we speak. And I found this to be of importance because it is affecting our world in communication, information, education. And we have misinformation, disinformation, and information we have been sharing for years here. And Melinda, being a teacher, she's doing a good job helping me and learn how we can address these words that are now part of, uh, I guess, our reality. But can we go forward with this? Uh, uh, it's transgender primer language is, is people that are of uh, – a group of people in an, uh, I don't think they're paid yeah, I would like to establish With you Melinda That w- people like us That don't get paid that help do things We pay for our own Resources and we do need You know people that help us But everybody Is used to getting paid a job's Wage and a lot of these people 
had that had no way to support themselves that were different had to go into the sex industry, uh, sex work industry. It, it, with you being an educated teacher, how would you say that properly if you were in a brick and mortar educated, you know, teaching at Harvard or something up there? How would you address that? Because we know that they go out on the street for lack of jobs. People are not accepted mm-hmm. anywhere. And it became, at least during the time, let's say RuPaul from Atlanta to New York to California, they knew about those 70s and the clubs. But fortunately, we disco music took off. I think music and entertainment saved RuPaul as, uh, you know, an entertainer. But you mentioned, I, I love RuPaul, and I, you mentioned Cher's uh, daughter. Did you ever get that feeling when you saw her on stage with Sonny and Cher? Or, now, you're, what, 20 or 30 years uh, younger than me, but did you mm-hmm. ever get to see Sonny and Cher with her? I, I remember when they first introduced her on their show. I made sure I was up to watch that. Do you remember when she came on the show with Sonny and Cher? I don't think I saw it. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I saw it. Oh, okay. I'm a big well, Sunny and Cher younger. fan, but I don't think oh, I saw that. Me too. Yes, I, I, I love Cher. I love Lucy. I got to meet Sunny and Cher uh, and their mother, or uh, Cher's yeah. mother. Yeah, I did. When they came to Houston, Texas, I was a beautiful teenager in the Houston Spinnerets and was in a red velvet outfit and a red cowboy hat. It's on YouTube. You can see it. And on my website somewhere, no, mostly YouTube's. But yeah, I got to meet them and greet them as a Houston ambassador. And uh, mm-hmm. she was, you know, her she didn't talk much. Her mother said hello, was friendly. But uh, Bono, Sonny came over flirting with me, of course. Of course, talked about how tall and beautiful I was, you know, to me mm-hmm. personally, and I was embarrassed. So. I looked at the lady that had in our group if I could speak back because, I, you know, but I got to speak with him. And then he and I got to fly on a plane later in life. We crossed paths again while he was uh, either a senator, governor, or mayor or something. Uh, I was out flying to California, and he and I sat next to each other on a plane. Isn't that strange? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but going back to the gender identity, uh, how we wear our clothes and how we wear – I mean, I'm tall, and for years, Melinda, I wore men's jeans with a big belt buckle, carried a knife on my hip, and you know, wore men's clothes and wore boots and cowboy hat driving a truck. Cause See, I'm very girly. Shirt. I'm a girly girl. The oh, only thing are. that probably don't look girly on me is my hair because my hair is not as thick as it used to be. But when I put on a hairpiece or whatever, I'm all woman. I'm all girl. Well, I am now, but then all I did was wore men's clothes for eight years. Yeah, some people that. are different, you know. Yeah. Well, my mother asked me to stop wearing. She came and reformed me in Kentucky. And when I became in 2004, I, I was a music producer and with uh, CMA, Country Music Association, and International Bluegrass Music Association, and became a singer-songwriter, country, bluegrass gospel, and helped with the Bill Monroe Foundation and Campbell Mercer and getting them in TV and with the county. And it was a wonderful thing in Ohio County. I wrote for the newspaper there. 
So I've done so many jobs. I've been fortunate. I've been blessed, Melinda, that wherever I went, I had mm-hmm. at least one, two, or three jobs. You know, I was one of those kind of people that had to stay busy. So it sounds crazy to people when if they ever saw my – if I was sat down in every city I've lived and put every job I've had, it would be amazing, and most of them weren't even paid. I would just take them, to, like you said, to get the education, to learn how to do things, to meet people, mm-hmm. to network, right? And so if I had to be masculine, I could do that job. You know, my kids called me superwoman because I was so strong. And if I had to be a beautiful woman and be uh, – I've been at conventions where I just sell – just stand there and hand out samples mm-hmm. to people, you know, just, you know, I'll be a taste tester. So there's all kind of jobs, but this gender system was what we're working with today. We didn't have to worry about offending people in all the jobs I had. So now I'm retired at home running the company in marketing, digital marketing, public relations, and talking on radio shows for nine years and meeting people like you that can hey, come help me figure all this out. So you mm-hmm. being a teacher, can you help us with some of these things that – let's talk about this. What's next? D is uh, – under. I want to get to cross-dresser, but just cisgender, this, this – people need – we're doing this because our face. We have to know – oh, I like chosen family too. I'm scrolling down this list of uh, words and definitions we're putting up. Because we're going to discuss See, this, it. Where did, what catches your okay. eye? What catches your eye in the bees? Because we won't be able to handle everything. There's uh, bisexual. Some of these. Yeah, I mean, there's so many terms. Well, we don't, there's uh, yeah. Some of them is uh, we did birth assignment, didn't we? Uh, you signed at birth. Let's do bisexual. Now, why don't you read about that to us, and let's discuss that for a minute, because that's interesting. Okay, hold on. Okay, hold on a second. Yeah, I got it. Hold on. Okay. Let's talk about that possible definition of what that is to people. Which one? uh, Education is important. It's in the Bs. Do you have the A through Z list, or did I, did you get it? Bisexual. Yeah, hold on. One second. I have the list pulled up uh, that was under. Let's see. We were talking about birth, and then uh, binaryism, an adjective referring to people erasing. Antagonizing people whose genders are outside of the gender binary, indigenous and colonized cultures, erasers of indigenous genders by colonialism, echoed in culture. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, the stuff that it talks about, um, the 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 uh, pharma does not include some terms that are generally considered offensive in order to educate folks on why these terms are not okay. Uh, so we have to make a generalization there that those terms will not be put in quotes to designate that they are complicated or inaccurate. So this primer also includes somewhat a graphic description of common medical procedures in order to educate folks 
on what these procedures entail. And then we will designate these graphic descriptions with a content note in red text. So I guess they really come out and straight say what this is and what, you know, so, um, so another thing is that we try to include that if it failed this on some level, please let us know we can connect it. We want people to use this guide to be able to avoid potentially triggering descriptions if we can get help, if we can help it. So basically utilizing the language, the words with the right people and describing them. Uh, here we have assigned gender at birth. And, um, you know, it goes into that. And we have agender and goes into what an agender is in a variety of ways. Some gender people define their gender as being neither a man nor a woman, while others understand themselves as not having any gender at all. Now, that's interesting, right, Teresa? Yeah, and the bisexual is someone attracted to more than one or two or more genders. So it's what you're attracted to. Bisexuality uh, basically has a history of people understood that they are sexually attracted to both men and women, but a growing understanding of gender. Uh, wow. The definition of bisexuality has grown to encompass not only its historical meaning, but also a wide range of experiences. Mm -hmm. Jeez. So there's terms, but we can't intermingle them if we don't understand how to educate people on what it means. Now, through the years, just in terms and talk, I've had people ask me if I was bisexual. Mm -hmm. So because I was such a talk, I was like, no. Because I'm married and had children, and I was assigned as a female, I don't cross over. I'm not bisexual, uh, meaning I'm not so, attracted to right. women. So they have the alosexual, which is alosexuality, someone who is not asexual. And it's someone who experiences sexual attraction irrelevant of whether or not they engage in any sexual behavior. Huh. That's really interesting right, right there. So an asexual person experiences sexual attraction. Shepherd is asexual. That's an example. Are you asexual? I'm not. I, I'm asexual. I'm heterosexual. I'm, you're what? Heterosexual. Oh, you're heterosexual. Well, that... We haven't got that far down yet. <laughs> that's well, yeah, but that, I, that's what I consider myself. I don't, this stuff is really, really, really some, it really gets in deep, boy. Uh, it's really interesting. Well, Then the androgyny, the androgyny people define their gender in a ways of ways. Some androgyny people define their gender as being between men and women, while others understand themselves as being outside of the binary gender spectrum altogether. 
So how would you how would you approach this person, Teresa? Androgyny. I have friends yeah. that way. And you do? Uh, there's an androgynous. Yeah, there's a friend of mine. Well, I, I I'm I'm contributor to his uh, YouTube Morg. I don't know his real name, but he looks. I met. Uh, an albino musician while my husband and I were in Houston, Edgar Winter and his brother, uh, what was his name? Oh, gosh. Anyway, they were looked like twins. They were brothers, and maybe they were. But Edgar Winter was a famous musician, and my husband, you know, played trumpet behind him when they a lot when they came to Houston because my husband was union. He played trumpet. But uh, this guy, Morg, you'll have to look him up. It's M-O-R-G-U-E official. And he mm-hmm. claims he's androgynous, uh, that they're gender in a variety of ways. Some, let's see, it says some androgyny people define their gender as being between men and women, while others yes. understand being outside the binary spectrum. Androgyny people may or may not transition physically, legally, or socially. Because mm-hmm. he's a man, he knows he's a man, apparently, but he looks like a woman. And when I first found him, I was just scamming, you know, what they could do, surfing YouTubes, uh, because I'd like to learn things. And I watch a lot of YouTubes. Uh, and uh, so I was surfing through it, and his look caught my eye because of Edgar Winter. He had long hair, but I was like, is that Edgar Winter? And I looked again, and I thought, wait, that's a young boy. He must be imitating, but he's. I uh, he started pulling his shirt off and changed himself on the screen from a. Well, um, I don't. He didn't really change. I mean, he didn't put on a beard or anything. But I'm just meaning his clothes. He was pulling his shirt off and putting another color on or something. But you knew he was a girl, and then he he wasn't. So within an instant, he was such a good actor. He could make your eyes with look at earrings, you know, is he a man or a woman? But he explained later he was androgynous. So uh, mm-hmm. apparently it means that if you're not physically changing legally or socially, understand your relationship with the gender transitioning within their culture. Mm-hmm. Generally, androgyny people are considered non-binary and transgender umbrellas may or may not identify as a transgender or non-binary. Androgyny people, well, they'll decline the invitation for the transgender gala. The androgyny person declined the invitation. Oh, that's a statement. So you could say, I see that's an example. Uh, The androgyny person declined the invitation to the transgender gala. So I noticed once, I said that you and I were going to do this radio show today, Melinda, that Mm -hmm. uh, YouTube came on and asked me to participate in a survey, which uh, I've been known for 30 or 40 years in the intelligence community to help because I used to work and get paid in Chicago while I was working for the government, and I was a GS status, but I was – in between as a reservist, I was outside the gates of Great Lakes. I hadn't got my job at with OPM or I was working for Navy Regional Finance Center. But I had I had uh in between getting the government jobs, I went out and worked for a, a company, good company, and I was very impressed in Chicago. It's a big city like Manhattan, right? Chicago is gorgeous. But I worked in a little town between Waukegan and Chicago. 
And mm-hmm. while I was working there, there was a wonderful place that had refrigerators. You could go get whatever vegetables or juices you want in the early 80s. And while I was there, I did surveys, and I got paid to do statistics and uh, surveys and just check all the information that came into the company, and I got paid very well. And I thought, wow, what am I? I don't know what I was, you know, but I the job description. But I got into intelligence work again with the uh, government in 87, right after that job doing these uh, interviews. So we could probably do those from home, but I don't know what company that was. It was a huge company, but uh, how you – I noticed YouTube wanted to know if I was transgender, and that was on the description. And it, this information in the computers, folks, just so you know, every one of us is now tracked by our IPC code and our cell phones and mm-hmm. how we talk and what words we use. And just because I was – Typed this up uh, yesterday, I believe, or was it the day before? They had time to question me and me question. It all fit with the questions that were asking me. So I thought that was very interesting that Google, not Google, YouTube was asking mm-hmm. me a survey based on the fact that I was doing this radio show because before I didn't have these terms to refer to. But the minute mm-hmm. I did, wrote them up and put them out there to talk about today, all of a sudden I'm in the transgender category, and I didn't know how to answer that. So, because I'm asexual, my husband's passed. I'm not having sex. Haven't had sex. Not that anybody cares for many years, over ten years, at least as long as I've been doing this radio show. Before that, so I'm considered. A C E. Do you see A C E on there? Ace? I have Ace Folk Life. Do you see an A C E on there? I think so. Let's see. Okay. Under the A's. A Gab, A Gender, Allosexual. There's androgynous. Androgynous. A poor gender. I don't know what that is. Asexual. That's me. Okay, so let's talk about that. Shortened to ACE. Asexual? Yeah, asexual. You want to read that out loud? Hold on. The part where it says... Sometimes shortened to ACE. It's a... Hold on. Wait a second. I have androgyny. Hold on a second. One second. That's a below androgyny. Alosexual? A-L-L-O sexual? I don't have Someone who is not sexual... Oh, there. Someone who experiences sexual attraction, irrelevant of whether or not they engage in any sexual behavior, e.g., an alosexual person. I don't know if I'm alo or allo. I think I'm asexual down here because I'm not. Well, let me see. Uh, Sometimes look too down below that. I see it now. Someone, okay, asexual is sometimes shortened to ACE, a person who does not experience sexual attraction. Asexuality is a sexual orientation and is different from celibacy in that celibacy is the choice to refrain from engaging in sexual behaviors and does not comment on one's 
sexual attraction. So an asexual individual may choose to engage in sexual behaviors for various reasons, even while not experiencing sexual attraction. So here we have asexuality is an identity and sexual orientation is, it is not a medical condition. Sexual attraction is not necessary for a person to thrive. And explain further. E.G., Tanya was invited to speak about asexuality due to her connections with the local asexual community. Huh. Well, I don't experience sex because I'm not attracted to anybody. At my age, uh, most men aren't looking at women 70 years. I will be 70 this year. I told you on the day after Christmas. But I just, maybe some women still are attracted. Maybe I am if something is. I'm more curious in beings. I don't really think about how they have sex. Um, So I don't know at this point. I'm not... uh, exhibiting any outward sexual attraction and I'm sure not involved in any behavior for many, many years. So am I, I'm not celibate though. I mean, I don't believe it's different from celibacy. I guess celibacy is by choice doing without sex, like in the old uh, religions, mm-hmm. the the people that were celibate because their, their things were cut off or something is the way when I was young, watching TV and the movies and learned a lot off the TV. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, I still have all my, my my workings. I'm just not using the physical reality. I'm up in spiritual business that I'm in, in our spiritual community, I use the higher chakras. Right, we start at the bottom, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and I'm sure violet. I probably do too because I'm into the chakra stuff. Yeah, so I'm using green, blue, indigo, violet, white, gold, all the higher ones to do travel at night and dreaming and ascension and interdimensional travel, which we need to make a whole one of these ourselves for uh, that language that I use. So I need to do all that for my UAP associates and my spiritual wellness and mystics, you know, the mystic world. But let's go back. Let's see. Okay, so we got down. We don't know what I am yet, folks, but we know I'm not celibate. (laughs) Wow, we've said a lot of uh, terminology over here. Well, let's do some that people may know. What is cisgender? Can you go down to cisgender? I've heard that before, but I don't know. Which one? Uh, someone who is not transgender. C. What does it start? What letter? C. Oh, C. Okay, hold on. Yeah, C I S G E N D E R. Cisgender. Yes. Okay. Cisgender privilege. This goes into saying the privileges cisgender people have because they identify with the gender they were assigned at birth. So their gender is widely considered legitimate, both socially 
and legally. For example, cis people generally don't have issues with their identifying documents not matching their outward expression to the point of additional scrutiny. They also generally have bodies that confirm with society's understanding of their gender. And they don't, if they don't, they can voluntarily get surgery with relative ease, sometimes even as minors. There is generally little stigma attached to cisgender people getting a wide range of surgeries. It's important for cisgender people to recognize these privileges so they can work to make sure that basic respect is no longer a privilege, but a reality for everyone. E.G. Brenda admitted that her transgender privilege made it hard for her to see the microaggressions her trans co-workers face daily. So that's interesting stuff there. I mean, the dynamic goes from one thing to the next and wraps you up in, in the thought like, okay, uh, you know, you start out with this and, it, and you say this, this, and then you add all these different factors and this is what it is. So it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you break it down as a cisgender privilege. People have, because they identify and identify with the gender, they were assigned at birth. So that's the first thing that's going to drop in your head. It's for this person, what they were assigned at birth. That's interesting. Well, so, gender, yeah, instead of inaccurate terms like biological, genetic, natal, real, or born, refer to people's gender. They call them cisgender and adjective, mm-hmm. someone who is not transgender. People, cisgender people identify with their gender. They were assigned at birth. Oh, okay. Now, the people that's the cis normative normativity is those who are normalizing of being cisgender, regarding transgender as an abnormality. This concept applies to the behaviors as well as bodies. For example, a trans man may not want a phalloplasty because the surgical results will not look cisnormative enough for his comfort. So the denial of fan theories about pop culture characters' trans status is an act of cisnormativity, e.g., The author created a fan, a trans character that fits the cis-normative beauty standards for a woman. Okay, so I wonder, am I, let's see, the normalizing of being cisgender regarding transgender as an abnormality, the concept applies to behaviors as well as bodies. For example, a trans man may not want to, phalloplasty because a trans man. Okay, so like 
let's say I feel like I'm a gay man in a woman's body, and Mm -hmm. I know that, but I don't want to have a penis. So that phalloplasty is like the what I just said. I can't believe I said it on radio, but I did, folks. So I don't know if I'll lose my show or not, but I don't think that's a bad word since that's describing sexually uh, phalloplasty because surgical results will not look cisnormative enough for his comfort. So if I wanted to have a sex change, sort of, put it in layman terms. So the denial of the fan theories about pop culture characters trans status cisnormativity. All these kids today are coming up with all these words and that help everybody because and there's an exception to every rule apparently in this new creation of world that we're not just welcoming. We are welcoming. This is the thing we're trying to talk about on this radio show is we are warm and welcoming to everyone regardless of race, color, creed, religion, sexual orientation, our new normality, the ascension age, which is the way we're awakening up our higher consciousness to ascending to higher levels to the norm of what we think of as a higher power and a source. So I run Teresa J. Morris Ministries because I want to have a 501c3 because I've never made any money all these years. And it's been nine years, so you know. Well, now the the um, or uh, is an interesting dynamic now. That's a system of oppression that works on multiple levels of levels to erase, antagonize, and produce social and physical barriers based on one's gender. Specifically, individuals who are not cisgender and or do not identify within the gender binary. Cissexism also depends on a binary of cisgender and transgender, erasing and validating the vast spectrum of gender expression and identity. So now we have the an example of the sexism sexism is legislation around who can and cannot use gender specific bathrooms based on their gender expression and or medical or legal gender, e.g. Karen began to recognize her own internalized C-sexism after her child came out as transgender. What does that mean? I, I use men's bathrooms when the girl's bathroom is locked. So am I cisgender, cissexism, uh, folks? Am I a cissexism? <laughs> Let's look at this. And I'm trying to be serious about this, but these are words that aren't in my but my vocabulary never had to be. And the kids today, the people that made this up, I looked at them. They're all in their early 20s. None of them were even over 30, it didn't appear. But they're working together as a team to help us 
old guys, I think the entire world, because uh, they came out with this, and I just happened to find it in time for International Pride Month of June. Internationally, June is Pride Month around the world, to open our eyes to being more educated about these terms and the spectrum of the identity of how we talk or we may talk in the future. It's uh, apparently apparent among the kids going through all this and in these groups, these support groups are meeting at wherever they meet at the local gym or the, you know, it's not training, it's support. Or maybe it's training too. Maybe, I don't know how we're going to just, talk about all this because this was a they got a little bit of money to do this from some nonprofit group that had a little money I guess for educating and that's all we've done here for nine years is educate mm-hmm. people <laughs> but I've also gone had spiritual Sundays because I started on a Sunday but I, I'd also like science so I don't know I'm a little bit of everything so what do you think sis let's see sis is I think it's interesting. Uh, it's it's just really it's another way of uh, you know this this uh, language being another word. You know, I yeah. think it's really phenomenal. Uh, they have so yeah. many words to describe each uh, uh, a person uh, and in their different attributes. You know, I mean, yeah, it's a whole new language. It's uh, words. Yeah, I mean, this is a whole new language. This is not just words. I just It's a language. You know, wow. his, uh gender, privilege, his normity, successism, and then they have colonialism. And that is a practice of domination, which involves the subjugation of one people to another. So the extent huh. of colonialism impacts on indigenous Understandings of gender and attraction will never be truly known due to the ways in which colonialism works to erase or otherwise destroy indigenous life and knowledge, e.g., the new textbooks have colonialized history. Ah. Now, does that mean like in history, like us growing up, the reason we never knew about it was probably because of this colonialism, and they hid it. Like in India, they always had he, she, and something else, right? So Mm -hmm. they would have this something else, let's say, let me talk in American English terms that I can use, folks, because I don't want to offend anybody in radio, television, and the work that I'm in, which is communication you know my company is american communication online so i'm trying to be honest that i don't really know how to speak about this because i wasn't educated in all this new language that the children of today in america have put together this primer language for transgender language and this is referring to people like we grew up reading about in our history books so they didn't tell us in the education of books from the UK to America, all the great English-speaking Australia, wherever you live around the world, the Emirates of, uh, you know, that they put people to death if they don't want to identify with their uh, culture. 
Is that colonialism? You know, because they don't let people be other than either male or female. It's against the the country's rules. A colonialized history in textbooks. Is that is that how would you speak to that? What do you think this colonialism and gender? Is that what I'm talking about? It being hid in the history. They didn't tell us that people could be other than. It wasn't that it wasn't there. It's just it wasn't in our history books. Melinda, well, can you speak to that? Say it again. Can you speak about this colonialism? It's a domination. Um, if your brain can understand that. How to explain it, the colonialism part? Um, yeah. Let me see how I'll try. Basically taking control, um, the domination, complete domination, the subjugation of one to another. So you're control of someone. Um, and, and their root of understanding things and the gender and the way things are attracted and that their whole way of seeing things and doing things in this uh, way and mannerism, you know, the colonialism life, whatever you want to call it, you know, um, it's very different than the others. Because um, it, it basically wants to erase or destroy the indigenous life, the memories of that. They don't want you to remember that. Well, it's gender, attraction, or race. Right, because it says here, it says also, uh, the extent of colonialism impacts, so what it does on the indigenous understandings of gender and attraction will never be truly known due to the ways in which colonialism works to erase, so it's eradicating or otherwise destroy the indigenous life and I guess the the, the stories and, and legacy and knowledge. So the next textbook heavily colonialized history. That's an example. Well, that's basically what I'm saying is we didn't know about it in National Geographic. We saw those pictures once of a girl guy, uh, asexual, and that's the uh, was a big aha with National Geographic for the world is to learn that there were other cultures out there that didn't necessarily look male or female and had all this paint, makeup, whatever you want to say, but I mean a lot of kids grew up reading National Geographic. And we're attracted to it because of the strange people. Honestly, they look and feel of who they were. And, you know, you hear in other uh, religions, they don't want you to talk about. They they still ban uh, what we used to call everything used to be called gay. So in the old days, you know, the, what would that be, 80s, late 80s, when... Oh, there's a lot of not information on internet. Can you read it? It's some kind of yeah. There you go. That yeah, that was. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Yeah. Time until let's see. Let me update this. I haven't even watched the show, folks. I only got 32 minutes left. 
long show. <laughs> Two hours, I'm getting back into it again. Now that we're pretty much over the uh, uh, time that the plague around the world affected all of us, whether it was real or not, most of us believe that people died of something that came out of a laboratory based in Wuhan, and to, uh, some laboratory assistants had it a couple of months before, I think, China even started telling us they Oh, well, we got around in the fish market over here, you know. But uh, that, this uh, whole stuff, the, the the new language that they're using is really, really interesting. I mean, yes, it it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's quite uh, unique. Uh, the words, uh, the explanations are really, really interesting. Well, we could do this more folks so we've only got 30 minutes uh well melinda what else should we discuss about this first brand new beginning women's wendy wednesday's lunch with women let's talk well, a little we can talk about, about a little women. bit about the pandemic and how we want to encourage people to still um rise to the top and do things that they want to do with their lives and don't let anything stop them and deter them because the pandemic is here and is here for whatever time, and that's just part of life right now. So, um, as you know, pe- people are still moving and doing this. So, if you have hopes and dreams, don't let the pandemic stop you. Don't let anyone stop you. Um, you know, be encouraged to do things with yourself in your life. If it's losing weight, if it's whatever it is, going to school, getting that education, um, getting some skills that you don't have, Increasing your skills, whatever it is that you may need for a job or to do a task somewhere, you know. So, right. So, yeah, let's talk about us women at home. And now it's going to be not just women. It could be yeah, men Yeah, the women, women returning to work. There's women returning to work now, and, you know, they need more, more skills. Um, you know, some people from a different country or speak another language. Uh, you know, they might need the right uh you know, English, that's very important, you know. So all these different factors and different things that make us unique and different that make our country rich, we have to get back on the bandwagon and learning some more skills, you know, teaching ourselves, you know. How is it that uh, in England these kids go to school and they finish at 15 or 16, while America is the richest and most powerful country in the world, is still finishing school at 18 for the most part. So what is America doing? Yeah, what is America doing that we need to increase or encourage to get on the bandwagon more quicker and more efficient, you know, like the other countries? That's what I always say. America's the richest country. We should be on the same level finishing high school at 15 or 16. Why, why it used that? to be we were ahead in education around the world, and we did rebuild the world, and it was after World War II. America sent money out to all these countries and rebuilt their beautiful land, and now Americans, in, after the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and then we had to – we'll just start with 2008 when I had to start rebuilding my reality all over again. Of course, when I woke up, my father, my stepfather had died, and I was uh, on a big truck and flown to Houston. Last time I was on a plane, believe it or not, was during 9-11. 
I had I must have flown on nine nine let's say uh yeah, nine nine uh to Houston from out somewhere out west on a big truck. I think I was I don't even know, I was out west Texas, Waco or I don't know. Uh, I drove a truck from California, and my stepfather died, and I had to go in for the funeral. So about nine well, also, you want to talk about uh, bringing the awareness that um, we're here to try to educate, teach people, show people the way in a better way. There is no really, you know... Uh, Health-focused jobs. They've got to learn that for all those years we were sending our kids to learn computers, and now they thought it was so overdone, there were no jobs. But if they're not going to get out and work, it's basically people, I don't care if you're a man or woman or asexual or cis or anything in that description, is you have to see, you know, you have to survive. So what is it that makes you survive is you need food, clothing, shelter. And people that are poor in America a lot of them, I have friends living in tent cities or tent, or tent communities, and some live in their cars, and they call in. Oh, goodness, there's noise again. I don't know what that is. You have to get that electric sound off, Melinda. <laughs> what is that? Okay. I don't know what that is, but it's very scratchy. Interesting. Now, this is the first show I've done with Melinda, folks, and there's a lot of interference, so I apologize. It'll be a rough recording for us. You'll hear it, Melinda, when you call in. Yeah. But hey. I don't know what that – it comes across. I don't know if you're opening a channel on the computer or what, but uh, it makes a lot of scratchy noise. You'll hear it. It sounds like <laughs> – Oh, no, but, I don't hear anything. Oh, but, well, um when you come back, you'll hear it. The, the history in radio, there it goes again. Oh, let me check on my end. Okay. No, no it's not on my end. Interesting. Well, hold on. I'm here. Off. All right. I've got the sound off on my computer. I just push a button, and, and you know, have I can see, and I can scroll on my Word, Microsoft Word, and look at the uh, words we were talking about. But you want to continue to, to go about, to another word? We need to go Coming into, out? Well, no, we talked about you and your uh, introduction, your uh, origin story. Then we talked about all this talk of the new world for the Pride Month of June and transgender language primer. And that was important. And then talking about jobs, because folks, We've met a lot of people that help us because we do this free, and not everybody can afford to work from their homes free, so they have to have something about paying their food, clothing, and shelter for them, and a lot of people are disabled at home or on government or like me. I am on Social Security because of my age, and I am retired, but our government pretty much at 60 wants you out by 62. And I know a lot of people in law enforcement and security that don't like that. They feel like they shouldn't be kicked out of the government till they're like 65 or 6 retirement age. So there's changes we need to make because we can still walk and talk pretty good in our government jobs. But 
I feel like we should raise it to 65 instead of kicking people out of the government jobs, GS, wage grades, IS, whatever it is, or military. But the military doesn't want you because you can't physically get around pretty well after a certain age. And I went in the second time as a 4 by 10 rehire at 33. That's the picture you'll see of me in the uniform second time around with the Navy. And so I had already been in as HM3. And, oh, you were HM3. Let's talk about that. When we were kids, women could go into the military, but we got out because I had kids and you had family. But we still, we thought we needed something. And I love the military for training purposes. <laughs> it mm-hmm. is good training. But a lot of people can't. Because of their, they disqualify because they're flat-footed or they have scoliosis of the spine Mm -hmm. or they can't see good. But I had all the perfect eyesight was going to be air traffic controller. So they sent me to Memphis. But a lot of people have good bodies and good minds. And if you have both, there's nothing to keep you from going in the military except lack of education. I understand you have to have, like you said, a minimum of 18 years high school or equivalent mm-hmm. GED. I don't even know if they'll take equivalent anymore for those that get bored and clep out or just No, I don't GED. think they do anymore. Really? Okay, well that's something you I think they just say you have to have, yeah, you might be right. Things change, you know. They change all the time, even the health and we're going to talk about health on another show and and but for now, women at home, what kind of jobs can we do at home in tech? on our computers. Uh, can you help us out? You're in public relations, and you've been working with well, a guy. You said what you've known I think him for what's like really, years. I think a very important skill to have to get a job in general is excellent communication skills. Being able to communicate, articulate your thoughts in a way that everyone can understand. So that's very important. And if you don't have that and you feel you know, like a low self-esteem, you need to work on those things. Those are some skills that you need to fix, you know. And those can be taken by a course. Either you could take courses online, you can look into that, personal development. There's all different things that you can use to help yourself grow. And uh, in, in in educational form and in every way that you possibly can. So, when you put your resume together, it might be basic, but it might speak a little bit more about you with volume because you have some other skills that are acquired and skills that are necessary for that particular job. So well, no skill, like you, never, you never learn too many skills, but what you need to shine for that particular job, if it's something in communications, you need to be able to speak well, uh, write well, um, communicate on a level where everyone can understand you. And I don't care if you have a Ph.D. or five Ph.D.s. If you speak to someone and they don't understand you, then you need to break it down in a way that everyone can understand. So they don't feel uncomfortable and everybody is good with the language and the verbiage. So it's very important how we communicate to one another, keeping that dialogue going. So you meet someone at a job fair, okay? That person might be great for job fair. So you're going to go and do this, you know, continue. You have to keep whatever it is, uh, your system going. Uh, Be passionate about what you do. 
and document what you do so that you know what you did and you know where you need to go. You have direction. Um, if you don't have that, your ducks in a row, then you're going to be all over the place. So you're trying to put yourself into finding a job, whether it's online, working from home. You got to have some organization skills, you know, a block of time that you're going to put down and say, well, you know, from 12 to 3, I'm going to answer phones. That's all I'm going to do or whatever it is that you can do at that time. So that job requires you to be, you know, picking up phones and you pick up the phones. You have phone, a phone at your home, and then you'll be able to do that. So there's a lot of different things you have to determine if you're going back into the workforce. And like I said, be open to learning things. Just open to learn and uh, grasp knowledge. Knowledge is power. And you're going to help train people to get back into digital networking, public relations work. However, you have to be paid for your time and services, folks, from home, and that's very hard to do because unless yeah, you have a Yeah, and skill. a lot of times people think that you don't want to help them. Like I have an athlete, for instance, today. I'm not going to bring up the person's name because it's not important. But they might think that I'm not trying to help them. I can't speak to them 20 times a day because they're not paying me. I'm not branded with them. I don't have a contract. So if I'm, if you're not, everything is not good on your side, you have to be patient in this world of public relations and people getting back to the media because people are very busy. There are things happening and dynamics happening at the same time, you know, as this pandemic is going. So just be cognizant that, Patience is a true virtue. People do get back to each other, and we do respect each other. And so you want to understand that the only way you can understand is putting your, your, your foot forward, helping each other, and communicating, and being respectful when you meet people in this field. Because a lot of people want to help, but I'm not going to help you if you're going to talk to me like I'm some type of animal or so some type of servant of yours, like, you know, olden days or something, because I'm not here there, you know. This is America. We all are equal. We all have the ability to speak appropriately and together. You want to work on something, you work on it together, not at each other. So that's the difference between working. Let's tell people what they need. They need a photo and a bio and a resume, and you need to be on LinkedIn, folks. LinkedIn well, you need to be on LinkedIn. Get yourself on LinkedIn. You know, uh, put a small, a simple profile. Put your picture, a photo of yourself. You know, nothing crazy, and basically just telling who you are, what you are, and having that resume shine you, so we can know what you're about and what you're looking for. So, and be open um, to discuss things. You know, um, that's all. Just be open. And um, learning, because as I said, Teresa is an abundance of knowledge and skills and understanding of many, many, many years ahead of me. So I'm grateful to know someone with so much knowledge and that can share that. So, you know, any questions? And I always say there's no dumb question. There is no question. If you don't ask it, then it becomes a dumb situation because you know what? You don't know if someone else is thinking the same way you are. So now, tell just them think about, about it. Con- Let's talk about we're all 1099s, independent contractors, folks, because none of us can afford to pay employees when we're sitting at home on our own phone and computers. 
as women going back to work, wanting to network and to help each other in communications to help other people. But advertising is paying your free Facebook. Don't think anything's free. There's always a cost. And these, uh, a lot of people get involved like I did. I was trained by Civitan, C-I-V-I-T-A-N. Oh, there's some feedback. I don't know. Maybe it's on the direct TV. Uh, not direct. It's on uh, my carrier is Mediacom and in New York. But you don't hear any feedback? Huh? Okay. Let's uh, explain. Let's. We've got 15 minutes left. I want to explain, Melinda, to people that as women, we own our own business. That means we operate under our own social security, our own license, our own home business. And there are rules going into force in open source communication online. But I'm an evangelist for having people communicate around the world just like Gates and, I guess, what's his name, Mark Zuckerberg for Facebook, Instagram, whatever. These people became multi-billionaires, okay? Now, if you can't figure out how that was done, educate yourself and learn how they did it. Otherwise... Just because they were in the right place at the right time doesn't necessarily make you a millionaire or billionaire by following in their footsteps, which I've learned. It does help to have a model and a mentor in relation to uh, how you want to grow and train yourself. I think well, part of, part of the whole deal of getting back in the world of work is building relationships with people that can be your mentor, can be a coach. Uh, someone who can lead you if you need writing, if you need uh, whatever the, the difference, uh, you need to speak to someone in human relations. You know, there's different people in, in the world of work, and you meet each one, and each person is different in their own way because each person is trained. So to share the experience, the knowledge, and to understand that if you need help, always be open to help and to grow. I got hurt and injured and was disabled. So I understand people that have disabilities. That's another reason I was working as president of Civitan. They were based on helping people in the Special Olympics and people that were disabled. But they were a community of people in a nonprofit, and they all worked free, and they all worked uh, as a social fellowship group. There are... You've got to understand there's corporations out there that are not for profit. They don't pay their personnel, and the people work for them because they have other jobs, and they do this as a fellowship or a club or an organization that helps network and helps people. Mm -hmm. And they were built around building money up around those little boxes that gave free peppermint candy and you put your cents. So they were raised on dimes, nickels, and pennies. And they put those little boxes out and all the companies would go around and I've done it myself. Ask little companies, if our little uh, stores, if we could put them at the checkout stand, at the point of sale for this company. And then I helped uh, go and I put asphalt in holes with a shovel of another uh, company that was hiring 
disabled people where I lived in Ohio County, Kentucky at Tamerlane Industries, and I was the president. Sounds good, doesn't it? Wow, president of a big nonprofit local county. But I was out shoveling asphalt and dirt like everybody else. So we were doing it free. We were doing it because we're in service to others, and there's lots of nonprofits. They're like churches, folks. Learn the difference with the, uh, what you organize with people that are not paid, they are doing it out of the goodness of their hearts because they're good, kind people, and they want to give back to their community and fellowship of humans. That's humanity for you. We have them. This country was built on America, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, Masons, uh, like American National Red, the Red Cross. Now, there are some of them wind up being paid inside, a very few of them, to run the the organizations and get on payroll but you've got to learn there are profit and not for profit there's people on payroll and not payroll there's people that are entrepreneurs that are paid they're they're not paid or they're either their own owner they are sole proprietor or they form a limited liability company and if you don't want to work at your local Walmart or something that you did as a kid, I have a lot of women and disabled people that went back to work part-time because they needed the money to put food, clothing, and shelter for their children. Even though they were disabled, they worked around whether they could work one arm. One lady didn't have an, only one arm, but she was still checking people out at the cashier. One person couldn't see or whatever, but they greeted people at the front door. So there's jobs out there. I'm not saying that they're the best jobs or the best paid jobs, but at least learn if you need help, bring money in on a payday or something until you can move up to the next rung on the ladder. And that's what people that do it free are here to – a helping hand is what all these churches used to be about. They weren't just about sending prayer and requests up to the next level in heaven. Uh, They were about learning how to help feed the hungry and help people get clothing for their children or help them get stuff. And now the schools used to pay for all our stuff. And now I hear all my children and my grandchildren have to pay extra money for their school supplies. And now after this pandemic, they've all been going online. So we've got a new world and we have to accept that the new normal may not be exactly the way it was a year ago. Now, Las Vegas has opened back up, and I'll let you talk, Melinda. It's all about knowing the different ways you can make money yourself. And if you're disabled, you can work part-time and not lose your – but you check in with whoever is your representative with the government. You can still, whatever state you're in, state, local, community – but now on the other side of that, Melinda, you know people want to work, and they want something to do with their time so they can meet people. But now it's gotten to be a digital world. We're all forming this cyberspace culture on the Internet highway. It's a whole new world inside a world, and we've got to figure out how we can all help each other survive and make money but only the big companies that pay advertising if you build up you a big following you may get lucky like some of these kids 
on TikTok and uh, whatever, Snapchat, Instagram, they get people that they sell their products or talk about their products. YouTube people build up such a following, they're getting paid. But YouTube cut a bunch of that out off of them, people complaining of their copyrighted material on other people's channels, making money off of their name and their endorsement or their brand. So now we're starting all over again, and we've got to look at what the government, what FCC, Federal Communications Company, I guess, FCC, what they're going to allow and what rules and how we're all going to make money in the future around the world on the Internet. And, Melinda, you and I can talk all day, but we have to pay for our Internet at home, our cell phones, Mm -hmm. and the overhead, even for this radio show today, is costing me money personally. So I have my own personal budget for a business that I pay money into a business that I own that shows no profit. Not that I want to or not that I need a write-off because I don't have a pot to piss in. I don't own a home. I don't own any real estate. I own absolutely nothing by choice as a minimalist, and I rent a home, and I bought all the furniture in here from a used furniture place and started all over when my husband died, and I had to come take care of my daughter. But I have been called a millionaire in my lifetime because I was the CEO of a corporation. I'm very happy about that, that I got that knowledge as a profit corporation, and I served with Civitan as a nonprofit president. And so my training has helped me immensely, not to mention all the training I got from the government. Mm-hmm. Training. And so, folks, if you can get your training and then be at the right place at the right time. Now, a lot of people, there's going to be jobs in Mobile because the a government maybe where they uh, have a – a hundred or more jobs in Mobile are coming available, but you've got to be willing to work for the company with a contract from the government, and it's, it's unloading material on on the port. It's working around hazardous material. So some people are going to have to do those jobs that may not want to, but they need, need a job. So uh, let me tell you that Indeed is the new name of the company that I hear from most people. Have you heard of that, Melinda? Were you signed up with Indeed? Yeah, Indeed, uh, LinkedIn. um, Just go on to different, different websites, sign your name up, you know, and have your email address attached so you can send your emails of new jobs and updates and where is hiring and where is not hiring. You'll always be in the know. And, uh, yeah, Indeed, LinkedIn, um, Career.com, there's so many different ones out there. The list just begins, there's no end. So just keep plummeting and you will get something as long as you're looking and sincerely looking. Now, if you want to uh, work with me, I like people that have time and they have a cell phone and a computer. I have different people running different companies as individual entrepreneurs and all of them are on uh, not making money, but at the same time, they hope to make money in the future while they build up their network and they get a job part-time for working for somebody else, and yet they're running their own company like an entrepreneur. 
So a lot of people do that. And just like in churches, they don't pay their clergy. Some companies pay their clergy. Some don't, meaning their chaplain or their minister or pastor. Most people now online are not paid. They have donations given to them as online churches. I don't even have that for myself after all these years. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my Ascension Church Ohana nonprofit on Sundays and helping people that can't afford to pay for their own radio shows or to promote themselves. And okay. here's how your advertising is paid for. Marketing is what we all do online. Digital marketing is what it's called. And public relations work is always free. Yeah, that's the way you learn marketing. There's public relations and advertising. So get that through your heads, folks, that PR work or people you hire to promote you. Now, you can have an agent out there that is a hired person. You hire them to be your agent. And if you're in, trying to get into Hollywood, you get an agent. And public relations is the practice of deliberately managing and releasing and spreading information between an individual or organization and the public. So okay, so the public um, I'm going to wrap it up now. Okay. I'm going to wrap it up. Then, tell, people, um, tell people how to get in contact with you, Melinda. Melinda T. Okay, uh, if you would like to uh, contact me and possibly be on a podcast or being here in a guest with myself and Teresa, uh, you can email me at Melinda, M-E-L-I-N-D-A underscore C-L-A-R-E at yahoo.com. So um, take it from there, you know, make a connection, and we'll reach out to you. Thanks for and having me, Teresa. It was a pleasure to have you what have me on here? today. Melinda, what about LinkedIn? Just, just give them my email address. That's all. Melinda underscore Claire at Yahoo dot com. All and right, and I'm TJ Agency. Okay. All right, and Melinda is uh, a woman in business at home, and if you'd like to do this again, she's going to look at her schedule and get. Yeah, I'm. With I'm, her. I'm looking for people. I'm. I'm very into art, and I love feng shui, so if there's anybody that likes feng shui and you want me to collaborate with you and I can show you what I'm doing with my face and things like that, I can share that with you as well. And we can have a project, another project. So there's just a ton of different opportunities and and things that we can do together. So, again, I thank you, Teresa, for having me on. I'd love to work with you again on this another segment. And um, okay. look forward to hearing from people. Hopefully, you're getting some waves and calls and messages from people in your mailbox, and hopefully, myself. All right, we'll see how this goes for Women Wednesday's lunch. If you liked it, please let Melinda T. Clare, C L A R E, know, and me, Teresa J. Morris. You can look me up on YouTube, our ACO Press Club. If you want to be in our press club, we ask you to join Society of Professional Journalists. That's spj.org, O-R-G, spj.org. And I have ACO Association. If you'd like to be associated with us as journalists or if you want to be an author, we have a publishing company. We have an author's club online. 
And we also have a Speakers Bureau for ACIR Radio. You'll go to acirradio.com, and uh, we're starting our Speakers Bureau. And I'm also promoting Mystic Guides for Mystics. I'm promoting Esoteric Guide for those that study esoterics. I have Spiritual Wellness Guide for those that are about spiritual wellness. I have Psychic Guide for those that are psychics. And we're starting a Who's Who directory. And Melinda has asked uh, to help me on a project that is really going to be a lot to do for veterans. And that is anybody that is a veteran, we will give you a free listing in our Who's Who directory between Melinda and I being prior uh Military veterans, and uh, we are going to have a directory and help you uh, whatever you need uh, to get hooked up, and uh, hopefully you know how to get involved with the government if you're a veteran. All right. Well, Melinda, you're a wonderful teacher, a wonderful trainer, and you helped us with this new normal transgender language. And this is Pride Month. Gender is complicated. <laughs> Women in business today. So uh, please get in touch with Melinda T. Clare or Teresa J. Mars if you're a woman wanting to have a lunch with us and talk on radio. And hopefully it will work out on Wednesdays. And uh, we'll do it again, Melinda, if people like us and want to do it again. We'll have to come up with some topics. <laughs> yep, I would love to do it again. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you. Bye-bye.